The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Storytelling inspires, engages, and moves people to action. It's a superpower that anyone can learn. Welcome to Story Powered with your host, Leanne Pico. Stories can hold you back, and stories can move you forward. Let our program help you activate your storytelling superpower and take your business to the next level. Now, here is Leanne Pico. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to the Story Powered Radio Show. This is actually uh, Karen Dietz. I'm standing in for Leanne today, so I'll do uh, my best impression of her. Um, but today's show is brought to you by Voice America. It's the leader in Internet media. And uh, as I said, I'm filling in for uh, Leanne today. And Leanne, uh, she has the Story Powered Institute, which you can find on the web at storypowered.institute. And she asked me to be the guest host today. And I, I just jumped at the chance. And I'm thrilled to bring you one of my business storytelling colleagues, David Hutchins, uh, who we're going to interview today. And you can find him at davidhutchins.com. Now, I've known David for many years, and his book series called Learning Fables, which is all about organizational storytelling and complexity, well, they were some of the first books I ever bought in business storytelling. Eventually, we ended up collaborating together on a project for a few years, uh, actually a few years ago, and we've been fast friends ever since. But let me tell you a little bit more about David. He is a best-selling author and business writer and learning designer who creates solutions for companies like the Coca-Cola Company, Walmart, IBM, L'Oreal, Nike, and others. He speaks to leadership teams all around the world on the topic of storytelling as an uh, organizational capacity. His new book is Circle of the Nine Muses, a storytelling field guide for innovators and meeting makers, which we're going to dig into a little bit today during our interview. He is also the creator of The Learning Fables, a book series that uses narrative to illustrate principles of organizational learning, with titles that include like Outlearning the Wolves, the popular series that's available in over a dozen languages. He is a co-creator and lead facilitator of the Team USA Leadership Experience at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, and he also facilitates the Apollo Leadership Experience at NASA's Johnson Space Center in Houston. He's a nationally recognized developer of innovative learning product, products. And David's work has been recognized with distinctions such as Training and Development's Training Product of the Year Award, ASTD's prestigious Excellence in Practice Award, and more. And again, you can find uh, more about him and contact him at uh, davidhutchins.com. So welcome, David. How are you today? Uh, Very good, Karen, and and thank you for that introduction. Gosh, you should get an introduction as well because 
the, the thing that I told you uh, uh, in advance is I hope this is a, a dialogue because I, I want the listeners of this show to hear your expertise because I've admired and learned from your work for such a long time. So we, we should take five minutes and read your bio as well. <laughs> I, well, I'll just say my company is just Storyit, and I'm the best-selling author of business storytelling for dummies. And I also have created the world's largest library. It's a free library on business storytelling resources that you can find at Scoopit. Uh, that's scoop.it backslash just story it. And so you can everybody can access those resources. So um so anyway, okay, that's that's enough about me. <laughs> um, but let's talk a little bit about you and your book, uh, The Circle of the Nine Muses. But to get us started, you know, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about, you know, what's your story? And I'm particularly interested in how your storytelling has changed over time. I mean, you and I have both been in the practice of business storytelling for many years. And I'm, I'm just fascinated by this question because I think it's uh, neglected uh, these days. And so I wanted to ask you uh, that question. And so... Mm-hmm. So the question is, how has my storytelling work changed, changed over the years, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and, and then after, after I answer, I want to hear your thoughts on <laughs> how you would answer that question as well. Um, the, I would say the biggest change is that I'm, I'm focusing more and more on the other side of storytelling, uh, which is listening and, mm. and presence, the presence of the, the witness or the audience to the story. Mm. And so, you know, to me, some of the most significant work in the story transaction, uh, isn't happening in the telling at all. It's it's that <clears throat> that whole other part of the transaction. You know, everyone thinks that the the teller holds all the power in the story experience, but really, it's it's the listener, it's the audience that defines the space and creates the energy and and creates the meaning making. And so, I've been spending. Uh, well, in fact, later today, I'm I'm doing a uh, an online course in story listening and presence and we'll spend a lot of time looking at it um, not just as it, it starts as a mindset but it's also behavioral you know that mm-hmm. you know it, it it begins as an orientation i i had a friend tell me that um actually he was a physician and he said sometimes you know in his interview with the patient he says you know if i ever do get stuck when asking for their story, he said, my principle is to turn to wonder, mm. which I love. It, you know, makes the, the poet John Cates said, I am cert- certain of nothing but the holiness of the heart's affection and the truth of the imagination. Ugh. So uh, imagine if we approached people with with that kind of expectation that we were going to access that affection and imagination and so to me that's the first part of of receiving a story from someone is it's turning to wonder it's it's expecting the best from them so it, it, there's that mindset to it and then there's a whole behavioral 
piece to it as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm very interested in just the the physiology of listening, and I've I've been paying more attention to myself and what what's happening when I'm listening to a story. Um, you know, our our colleague Graham Williams mm-hmm. uh, talks about it, uh, talks about narrative transport, and right. that is a, a phenomenon where you know when you're listening to a really great story and you you lose awareness of what's happening around you, and it's almost as if the walls of the room dissolve away and you're only aware of the, the person's story that they're telling you. Uh, you know, Graham calls that narrative transport, and I've always loved that idea, and I've experienced that. And I've, I've noticed what's happening to me as a listener when I hear stories with that kind of presence. And I notice that my breathing slows down. You know, it's, it's almost meditative. I become very aware of my breath. Right. Um, you know, I, um, it, it's a whole body listening. I'm, I'm very aware of my physicality and where I'm feeling the story in my body. And I'm not even, when I listen like that, I don't even, now I've seen people listen to stories where they're nodding their heads, you know, in a real exaggerated way and going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> and I don't even, I almost feel like that's invasive in a way. I, I find myself becoming very still and quiet, and I'm I'm certain that the teller picks up on on those subtle nonverbals, and it, it affects their experience. It changes how they tell the story. That they're, they're aware that there's some kind of a connection that's happening here, and uh, it ends up being a really um, special experience to enter into a story space with someone like that. And so when you ask me how has my story work changed, I'm, I'm focusing on that. You know, there's mm-hmm. all the telling stuff, and we, we, there's lots to say about telling, but I don't hear as many people talking about all of this stuff, that whole other side of it. Mm-hmm. So that would be my first answer to your question. Oh, I love it. I love it, because I'm a big advocate of story listening. And I think that there are definitely um, specific behaviors and specific ways to listen to a story that's different than other kinds of listening. So I think you've, you've really hit the nail on the head here. And I've loved uh, listening to you and the way you've talked about listening to a story and, and what happens to you and to others on all different levels. And this notion of that, it's really the audience that has the power to shape the story and um, sometimes even the meaning of the story is very, very powerful and so accurate. And, uh, Actually, so I, Karen, you, you used a phrase once that I, I have since adopted and, and I, I always attribute it to you. I always say my, my good friend Karen Dietz, always says that you should listen the best story possible out of someone. (laughs) Do you remember saying that? I do. I do. Right. That's really great. And uh, thank you for that. That's wonderful. So, yes, story listening is very, very powerful. And it's actually the first skill that most performance storytellers focus on first is developing deep listening skills so that they can understand how to be in sync with the audience and to know which story to tell and how to tell it. 
Oh, that's interesting. So you're saying that the storyteller, they, they learn, even though they're the ones on the stage in the spotlight, they learn to, in effect, listen to the energy and response of the audience, right? Right, which is so why we say storytelling um, is not a performance. It's a co-created experience. Yeah. And so every time a professional storyteller gets up on the stage... What they're doing is they are co-creating the story together with the audience in real time, every single time. Wow. So that that means you have to pay attention to what's going on in the moment and adapt. I love it. We should tell the audience, Karen, that we we have not scripted this conversation. We're we're just two friends talking about (laughs) stories and things we care about, and we're going to see where this conversation takes us, and already this is, uh, this is fascinating. I, I love learning from you. Oh, well, I love learning from you, so um, we're going to, uh, well, we'll see what else emerges during our time together, right? So, Well, I want to hear your answer to the question. So you've been doing story work for a long time as, as well. How, how would you say your work has changed over the years? Well, um, boy, I think over the years it's it's changed a lot, you know, simply from going to no story to now all story. <laughs> um, right. But uh, but I think uh, what is capturing my imagination uh, these last couple years is taking storytelling principles uh, that you know we say in our workshops and our trainings and trying to bring a visual element to those principles so that people can remember those principles long after we leave the room. And here's a a specific example. So for years I've talked about storytelling being art in the air. You know, we tell a story, it's on the sound vibration, it dissipates out, it sticks with people, they carry it forward. But once you tell a story, it, there's, there's nothing really to hang on to except the memory and the experience of it, which can be very powerful. But it is sort of creating art in the air. So I've been really intrigued with how to take storytelling principles like story listening, like story sharing, um, and build visual images around that that conveys the essence of those principles. So I've been creating um, artwork in my studio. And I've got about like nine, nine or ten different panels now that I've built that I can bring into workshops and leave behind with clients that sort of demonstrate or illustrate these principles to help make them stick, as I said, long after I'm gone. So that, that's kind of what's keeping uh, me um, uh, happy and fun these days is playing with that. Uh, you know, there, there's so much great work being done right now in the field of visual thinking and, you know, making abstract ideas metaphorical and visual. And, you know, of course, that, that includes uh, graphic facilitation and graphic capture. And um, I find that those conversations between, you know, the storytelling world and the graphic uh, uh, visual thinking world are overlapping more and more. You know, we're having some very similar conversations about how meaning is created, and um, you know how, 
how we how we create knowledge together through the stories we tell and the images and metaphors that we weave. So, I, yeah, I'm in the same place. I find it increasingly difficult to separate the two. In 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 the programs that I'm doing, the story programs, you know, there, there's images all over the place. You know, we're using Christine Martel's um, visuals speak tool. If you've ever seen that, we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, images up all over the walls, and I, I, I find it hard not to bring visual work into story work because it's it's activating the mind and the meaning making, knowledge creation process in some very similar ways. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to see those panels that you described. I haven't seen that. That sounds really cool. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'll send you a couple photos, uh, and you'll be able to see. So we've got about a, a minute or two before we go to our first break. Uh, so um, I want to shift our conversation over now to the book that uh, you recently wrote called Circle of the Nine Muses. And in the two minutes we have left before our break, could you just mention a little bit about the title? Because I think the title is very unusual. Mm-hmm. Uh, Circle of the Nine Muses, a storytelling field guide for innovators and meaning makers. And uh, I've since learned that there are some people at Wiley, the the publisher, who don't love the title. (laughs) Because, you know, when when people do a book search, they they search for storytelling in business or storytelling in leadership. So it's nice if you can have those words in the title. And no one's searching for Circle of the Nine Muses. But, but I, I, I like the title. I, I, I like the fact that it's evocative and it makes people do what you just did, Karen, which is say, tell me about that. Or often people will start drawing from their own knowledge and awareness of uh, mythology, which once again, now we're drawing, you know, we're looking to story for meaning making. So we've activated the process through the title, right? Um, right. In mythology, uh, the nine muses were the daughters of the goddess uh, Nemesine. Ah. And she was the the goddess of of memory. You know, if you've ever you know m- used a mnemonic device mm-hmm. to memorize mm-hmm. something, it's the same root word. We we get that from the goddess Nemesine. Um, cool. And so uh, she, the goddess of memory, who created all knowledge and shared wisdom through her da- her daughters, the nine muses. And I, I can't name all the nine muses, but you know, one of them was the muse of poetry, and one is the muse of history, and one is the muse of, uh, of music. And so the idea is that uh, collectively, these nine muses are the source of all knowledge shared through narrative and story and mm-hmm. song and poetry. And mm-hmm. so the idea is when we come together and seat ourselves in a circle and we we share stories with one another, we are invoking those muses, and we oh, are participating that's... in an ageless tradition of oh, knowledge great. creation and identity creation. That is perfect. And what a perfect segue into our break. So um, let's go ahead and take our commercial break, and we'll be back with you shortly, and we'll continue our discussion with David Hutchins. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune in to Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan and co-host Gisela Gonzalez. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel, and get Amplified. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more, old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, connect with us on the web at verygoodstories.com. Now, back to Story Powered. Hey, welcome back. And this is Karen Dietz of Just Story It. You can find me at juststoryit.com. I'm filling in for Leanne Picot today. And uh, let's see, we're talking with David Hutchins, a good friend of mine and fellow business storytelling uh, professional. And uh, we were just talking in the previous section about story listening and then also about his book, the title of his book specifically, Circle of the Nine Muses, uh, Storytelling. Uh, field guide and so David um, I'm really curious about um, the how the reasons you felt this book need to be needed to be written in other words um, what was missing in the field of business storytelling that you think the the book addresses and sort of uh, and then a follow-on question after that is, which processes in the book excite you the most? So tell us more about the book. Okay. Well, uh, the reason I wrote the book, um, m- maybe this is a terrible reason to write a book, but I, really the reason I wrote it is I, I was lonely. <laughs> you know, I, I, I am a, a, a consultant who, you know, I... I uh, my my office is the bonus room over my garage. You know, I live here in Nashville, Tennessee, and I, I work with companies all around the world. Uh, but I don't really work with anybody locally. I don't have a local team. So, you know, a lot of consultants and creative folks, you know, find themselves a little bit isolated professionally just because the, the world we're living in now is, is global. And that was the case with me. And so 
um, you know, I was connecting with this growing community uh, of organizational storytellers, of people who are interested in bringing this capability into the organizational space. And so using social media and Twitter and Facebook and different Facebook pages, I was connecting with people like you mm-hmm. and other story practitioners all around the world. Sometimes in tweets, you know, 140 characters at a time, not the best way to have a dialogue. And I had this sense of appreciating this tribe of thinkers so much that I wanted to be in dialogue with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, one thing that I have heard a lot in the process of bringing the book together is, is that desire. And a lot of storytelling professionals are saying, we don't do a good job talking to each other very much. We, we need to be more purposeful about convening and learning from one another. And so that was my first driver in creating the book. I wanted, I love sharing ideas. I love hearing ideas. I love asking people, hey, how are you bringing story into the work that you're doing in organizations? And then sharing some things that I've tried that have worked or things that haven't worked and be in this learning dialogue. And I wanted a book that mirrored that process, that mirrored that dialogue. And so mm-hmm. the idea of uh, Circle of the Nine Muses is, you know, as I just said, I, I reached out to uh, the, the top story thinkers all around the world. And that includes people from, uh, you know, like Paul Costello, you know, in, in international peacekeeping efforts in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. uh, to, you know, IBM Knowledge Management, you know, Cynthia Kurtz, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and and practitioners from different spaces with different applications all around the world, and ask them what's working. What are you trying that works? And so this book represents the the collective contributions of an incredibly generous community that has said we want to be in dialogue, and we you know th- there was you'd be amazed how little ego there was. You know how most consultants have their process and they, they want to protect it and they want to trademark it and, you know, it's the seven-step process to change or whatever and they don't want to, they don't, you know, they got to make money off of it. They don't want to share it with anybody else. Mm-hmm. I encountered none of that in the story community. There's this sense that, that story is, is timeless and ageless and we are all stewards of this t- timeless practice and, uh, you know, it's it's right and appropriate for us in a spirit of generosity to share what we've learned with the, the broader world. And so <clears throat> the book is for anyone that wants to bring the, the wisdom and power of narrative into all the different aspects of their leadership in their organization. Mm-hmm. And it's processes for uh, finding stories, you know, story mining. You know, we, we're surrounded by all these stories and I, we don't even know that they're out there. How do we right. find the, you know, it's mining. It's like finding gold. How do, how do you find the good stories? Right. Story crafting. A lot of people want to know, how do I tell my story better? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's no shortage of wisdom there. Um, meaning making, which to me is the, the great opportunity of story work. After the story is told, that story is loaded with information about us and the work we're doing and the mission and the identity and where we're going and how do we have the conversations where we begin to parse that information and start turning it into some kind of forward movement. You know, mm-hmm. after the story is told, that's not the end of the conversation. It's just the beginning of the conversation. There's 
lots of things we do with that story after it's told. And so the book is a collection of processes for all these different aspects of story work drawn from my own experiences and some of yours, Karen's, and Mm -hmm. the experiences of our colleagues all around the world, translated into processes that any leader can bring into their work. So the idea is, you know, you and I are facilitators for a living. You don't have to be a facilitator. You know, I've I've tried to make the processes uh, replicable and easy enough that any leader can begin exercising the power of story in their work. So that's well, the idea. Yeah. Of the book. yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but yes, I, I would agree. You know what I love about the book is that uh, it's it's very readable, and when you go through the processes and you read about them, they are they feel imminently doable, right? Uh, so it's not like some books that list a whole bunch of you know processes that trainers would use. Uh, that I typically don't like those books because there's no context provided. Right? And this is how it works. This is what you can expect. You know, and you include a lot of that in the book, which makes it feel much more comfortable. Oh yeah, I can I can do that. I can take this process and and do it. And so I think you've done a masterful job there. Well, it was important to me to to use story. To, to bring the processes to life. And I know exactly what you're talking about because, you, know, you know, as a facilitator, I have lots of those books, and, I, and I've learned a lot from them. But there, mm-hmm. I knew I didn't want to write a book that said, you know, for this exercise you will need sticky notes and three flip charts. And step one, put, your ch- put chairs in a circle. Step two, I, I knew I didn't want that. Right. Um, and, and so instead it's, it's told as stories. And I'll talk about experiences I've had with groups including emotional information. Hey, I tried something and it didn't work, and I felt right. kind of weird about that, and then I figured out what was going on. And um, I've been getting feedback from people that, uh, you know, people say, I've, you know, I have lots of facilitator books. I've never read one from beginning to end before, but I did on this one. Yeah. I've been getting that feedback a lot. And, it's, and that's the power of story again, right? Right. And I think... Um May, I don't know if you did this consciously or unconsciously, but the book has its own storytelling arc to it. Wow, and, I, that is unconscious. Tell me about that. Well, I just see that each part of the book builds on previous parts and moves you along the journey. Right? So it's not like a, just like a list of here are things to do with some interesting information that goes along with it. it, it there's actually a progression of thought and a progression of a story uh, through the material that you've presented. And here again, we we don't see that too often in books that talk about, oh, here's some group processes to do uh, with people in your organization. And so I I think that's another thing that sets your your book apart. I love that. And I I agree that that arc is in there. And I, I... I had not seen it until you said that. So, ah. thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Well, you, you know, there's another thing. To go back to the comment you made about being lonely and wanting to connect with um, your colleagues and mm-hmm. ask them to participate, uh, I bet 
as you were going through and collecting the wisdom from uh, all of these uh, great folks that you learned some things too. So I wanted to ask you of all the processes that you collected and published in the book, uh, which ones excite you the most? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think the, the, uh, of the, there's dozens and dozens of ideas in the book. And um, a lot, they're all a lot of fun. The, the one I always bring into my program that I think everyone should start with is the idea of a basic story circle. Uh. Um, and it's such a malleable structure and exercise. And so the idea is, um, you know, if you have a team or a group, bring them together, sit them in a circle, and invite them to take turns telling stories. Mm-hmm. And it's that simple. It really is that simple. And, you know, right before this call, Karen, I, I got an email from uh, a friend of mine uh, who said, you know, that there was a story gathering here in Nashville last night, and I didn't get to go to it. And so I said, tell me how it goes. And she wrote back and said, I was so disappointed. There was a speaker who talked about the power of stories the whole time, but none of us got to tell any stories. <laughs> it's <And> so frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's funny how often that happens. And she'd been in one of my programs before, and, uh, you know, so she had been, she'd had this experience of being in a story circle. And so it's not about uh, becoming an expert storyteller. Story circles, you know, the storytelling is spontaneous. I, you know, tell me about a time that you were at your best as a leader, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, you, there's some kind of prompt. And then just spontaneously tell stories. So we're not looking for a beautifully told story. We're looking for the story sharing experience and then some self-awareness around what happens when we sit in a circle and we hear stories from one another like that. And so the debrief, as simple as that exercise is, the debrief is usually a mind blower for people. And they always talk about, uh, wow, the, the powerful sense of connection I felt. And I usually get a comment like, I've been working with this person for four years but I learned more about them in the past two minutes. You know, you've probably right. heard things, right? And then we talk about, so why did that happen, and why was that powerful? And, and then I'll say, so should this be happening in the organization? And in unison, everyone nods their heads, yes. And I'll say, is this happening? And in unison, they nod their heads, no, this is not <laughs> happening. And it's, so it's this powerful awareness that this incredibly simple thing to do that has all this amazing connection, we could simply be more mindful and purposeful about bringing this into the work in our organization and just imagine the possibilities if we began uh, connecting with each other in that way. Goodness, what could we accomplish and what could we do together? And, of course, the rest of Circle of the Nine Muses seeks to provide some ideas on that as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I love that. I know so much energy is unleashed in those storing, story-sharing circles, the story yeah. circles, and they are very, very powerful, and uh, I, I don't do them enough. You know, you're, you're reminding me, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, not a, that's not one of those optional things that you do at a workshop. That is the core of the workshop, and so I appreciate the reminder. Yes. Good, good. Yeah, for me, it, it, uh, I always 
include that because uh, I think that's the most actionable thing. You know, we uh, we do spend some time in story structure and how to tell a better story, and you know, there's this awareness that wow, there's some deep theory there, and I, I could you know spend a lifetime getting better at it. But story circles and just the general idea of ask one another for stories. Uh, people walk away excited because they think, all right, here's this capability that I already have. Right? I mean, that's, mm-hmm. this, is, this is our sense-making tool for the world. Is, you know, mm-hmm. When we go to sleep, our, our brains continue to tell stories to us. Right? This is how we make sense of the world. So this thing that I already do naturally, even when I'm not thinking about it, just bring that into the work. And so people think, I can do this. I, I don't need three more courses to get better at it. I just need mm-hmm. to be purposeful enough to ask people for their stories. Well, that's, that's certainly true. Do you have a favorite story prompt that you use to get the story circles uh, started? Yes. I, I want to hear yours, too. But he, I usually, uh, unless there's a really specific theme or purpose to the meeting... You know, sometimes we're there to talk about, you know, innovation or something, right. in, in which case we should certainly tell stories about innovation. Right. Um, but if it's a general, like an open program where we're going to look at all the ways to connect story to, to business, I usually like to start with the values. Mm-hmm. You know, your, your organization has this statement of values, and there's a good chance that your values are excellence and quality and customer service and people are our greatest asset and, and so on. And, and, and that's fine. You know, it's, it's hard if there's a certain sameness to them. But let's look at what happens when we tell stories about those values. And now instead of just being a dead document that's framed and hanging in the lobby, now it's a source of vitality for the organization. So we talk about quality. What does quality look like here? Tell me about a time you experienced or saw a leader demonstrate quality in a remarkable way. Mm-hmm. And when they start telling stories, you know, if the leaders are in the room listening in on the side of the room, they're flipping out going, this is amazing. I had no idea, you know, that, you know, this, these are, this is who we are when we're at our best. Mm-hmm. And to unleash those stories of values in action bring so much energy and mission to the organization that often that's where I like to begin my programs. Mm, love it. Love so it. what about you? What's, what's a favorite prompt for you? Oh, gosh, a favorite prompt for me is I, I like um, asking people to tell a story about um, an accomplishment they're most proud of. And so I, I like that because it's a way to get to know people. Sometimes the people I've been working with have been, you know, known each other for many years and still don't know a whole lot about each other. And so I use that kind of like as, a, as an icebreaker and a beginning way to get into story. And uh, sometimes I'll even back up even further and I'll say, uh, tell us a story about your name. So uh, uh-huh. those, are, those are two two ways. And then I eventually get to the value stuff. And um, so anyway, it's just uh, different approaches. I think we all get to the same place at the, at the same time, but, uh, or eventually. <laughs> but anyway, hey, no, like uh, we have to go to another break. 
So okay. uh, we're, we'll go to a commercial and then we'll uh, come back and continue our conversation. So thanks, David. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. Effective leadership is what will propel the world, organizations, and businesses through a range of dynamic changes. How do you keep up with these changes, build skills, and lead effectively? Listen for Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. Maureen offers tools and engaging guests who are leaders in their field. With each week, you'll work on and improve your skills to lead with confidence and drive your organization's success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. If you want to learn how to be a better leader, increase your level of business performance, and motivate your team and organization more effectively, listen for Performing at Your Best, Mindset Evolution with Luis Vicente Garcia. Luis Vicente and his guests will share their expertise and enthusiasm in helping you to succeed. It's combining that drive with business skills that will do just that. Tune in live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, Connect with us on the web at verygoodstories.com. Now, back to Story Powered. Well, welcome back, everybody. And I'm Karen Dietz of Just Story It, and I'm filling in for Leanne Picot today. You can find Leanne at the storypowered.institute, where she's got a whole uh, organization going where people interested in uh, business storytelling can come together and learn from each other and learn from top experts in the field. And uh, today we're on the Story Powered Radio Show, and I'm interviewing my colleague David Hutchins of davidhutchins.com about his new book, The Circle of the Nine Muses, a field guide for storytellers and meaning makers. And so, uh, David, we were just talking about story circles and getting people to share stories and how powerful that is. And in our first section, you mentioned about story crafting and how important it is to really craft an elegant story that moves people very deeply. 
And so there's a difference here that's coming up between conversational storytelling and that other kind of deeply meaningful storytelling. So talk to us a little bit about the both types and sort of the transition from one into the other. Yeah, often in my programs, near the beginning, I'll make a statement that, um, you know, this is not a program in public speaking skills or in becoming a better performer as a storyteller. And, you know, I I even see people kind of breathe a sigh of relief a little bit. It it kind of relieves some anxiety. You know, I, I focus first on strategic storytelling. As a leader, there are certain stories you should be telling. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't tell them beautifully, if you tell the right story for the right reason, it can have a transformative effect. And so even with those story circles, if you stutter and say, um, and ah, too much, and you ramble a little too much, it's still an, a powerful experience. And so we'll talk about this, you know, uh, strategic storytelling and purposeful storytelling. And usually, uh, it's, it, it usually seems to be soon after lunch, the second half of the day, we'll say, but you know what? there are times that you want to tell a story really well. And, you know, everyone has experienced, you know, there, there are movies you go to that, that, you, that you don't like. The story is not told well. And there are others that just capture you and you never forget them. So we've all had this sense and this experience that good stories affect you differently. And so mm-hmm. since we're talking about leadership influence, and your ability to, to align people and move an organization, wouldn't it be nice if you could tell a story really well? And so for, for that conversation, there's no shortage of theory about what makes a good story and frameworks and you know, what, is, what goes into a good narrative arc and what are the elements that need to be in place in a story. And then how can we practice that to start making our storytelling better and more engaging and connecting to deeper human needs. And mm-hmm. so there's lots to talk about there. And we usually spend a good part of the second half of the day digging deep into that material. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I love that. Because here we've got a couple things going on in business. And one is, oh, let's just have a workshop on story crafting without any understanding of how you're going to apply it or why you should be using it. I mean, they may say, oh, yeah, we want it so we can, you know, for, for more influence. But that's, that's just kind of a, yeah. a goal, but that's not being strategic with it. And then the other thing that crops up is that you've got a lot of people telling stories, and they're mediocre at best. And so you're missing the strategy piece, which is really key to working with stories effectively and getting results. And then there's also the story crafting piece eventually that you want to get to um, so that you have more impact and more influence and your results uh, are compounded again, you know, in a a positive way. And that's it. Yeah, it's the right stories and then better stories. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, so, yeah, I think I think we've got some upgrades to do in uh, you know in in business around how to apply and then uh, the strategy and then the better stories. Mm-hmm. So great. Okay, super. So yeah, another thing I wanted to ask you. You know, there's a whole section in the book. Uh, on fractal storytelling. 
And when I saw that, I go, what? What is that? And of course, I read it. And then I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course, right? But tell us more about fractal storytelling and why it is so important. Yeah, so um, for for this chapter, you know, I, I reached back to uh, the work that I've done in complexity theory and uh, living systems and, and what can we wor- learn from complex systems that we can bring into leadership and organizations. So it's drawing from that body of thought. And I've long had the sense that stories have a fractal structure. And so uh, a fractal, you know, most people think of fractals as, you know, those old screensavers that used to come with Microsoft Windows, those kind of pulsating patterns that seem to be drifting off into infinity. And that's one example. A fractal is any structure that shows similarity at different levels of scale. Got it. And so, for example, if you look at the branching of a tree, if you look at the branching at the trunk and then compare that to close-up photos of branching at the branches much further up, you're going to see similar structures. You know, there's an algorithm. I mean, there really is. There's an algebra to nature it's very simple, um, and it's these simple algorithms that produce incredibly complex and robust and healthy organisms. Mm-hmm. So it's simplicity leading to complexity. Um, and so um, imagine an organization where the stories that are being told all throughout the organization are supportive of an intentional, broader story for that organization. Mm-hmm. That's a that's fractal storytelling. That's story where there's similarity at different scales. Together, we all have an awareness of this bigger story we're telling. Now, as a member of the organization, armed with that awareness, there are stories that I mine mm-hmm. and tell that support that bigger story. And so, the chapter on fractal storytelling it it sounds incredibly abstract. It really isn't. It's mm-hmm. Once you have an awareness, you know, the, the, leader, the leader defines the broader story. You know, we're living a story of innovation. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. You've just set the frame for what we're doing together. And you can map out what that innovation story looks like. Maybe use Everett Rogers' diffusion of innovation model that shows mm-hmm. how innovation goes through these stages. And once you have this awareness, all right, we're all walking through this together, now you tell your story of adoption of new ideas or how you had to let go of mental models uh, or uh, unproductive behaviors or old ways of thinking. So now it, it's intentional storytelling at, at, at different scales. And when an organization does that, it's a source of enormous power. And it's, it's a missed opportunity. I, I don't see it happening often and it requires that awareness at leadership levels and then inviting the rest of the organization in purposefully to tell their stories aligned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, talk to us a little bit about the opportunity that organizations miss by ignoring fractal storytelling. Most organizations are just kind of plodding along day to day. You know, they, the, the days of the 10-year strategic plan are, are over. You know, no one has the... There, there really aren't any five-year strategic plans anymore. You know, uh, when I do programs with large organizations, I, I like to poll them sometimes and say, who has a five-year strategic plan? 
Mm-hmm. They all look at each other and like, no, we don't do that anymore. I said, what about three-year strategic plan? Now we we know we're, we're, we have some ideas what we're doing through the end of this year, and the idea is that the the world is changing so fast, and it's all whitewater rapids all the time, and no one can plan that far in the future because change is too chaotic. So uh, now that we don't have the strategic plan and people are living in all whitewater rapids all the time, what is the source of continuity and identity? And this is where story shows up as the hero once again. Story Mm -hmm. is the new continuity. What's the story of us? Who are we? What do we believe? What's the thing we're here to do? What are we about? And so once the organization starts crafting the identity as a narrative, then they can invite the, the members of the organization to start connecting their aspirations and their stories. Mm-hmm. So a lot of organizations don't know what that looks like yet. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're grasping at business opportunities or, or shiny objects, and they haven't stopped to, an, to, to weave the, the why stories. If you've mm-hmm. seen Simon Sinek's popular uh, TED Talk on Start With Why, everyone's doing what and how storytelling. Nobody's mm-hmm. doing the why storytelling. Yeah, I agree. I, I've seen this uh, plenty. And um, you know, I, I see organizations going after, oh, it, let's find our, our single story, right? Our brand story or our meta narrative or what have you without right. realizing that there's a whole network of stories that are interconnected together that create that um, the the main story, the meta narrative of the organization, and you can't have one without the other. Yeah, and Mar- so uh, well, Mary Alice yeah. Parker talks about the story field. You know, right. It, you're right. It's not a single narrative. It's it's a field of stories, and it can work the opposite way as well. You know, I said that the leader defines the larger narrative. The other way to go is bring the organization together have them tell their stories, and then the leader parses out from that, oh, I hear something happening. I see right. a theme. We're, we're somebody else that I didn't quite realize. You've now told me something about us that I didn't know. And drawing from your collective stories, I'm now going to name this bigger story. And so now the story is co-created. Now you've asked the people of the organization to define who we are. And again, there's processes in the book uh, that illustrate what that conversation could look like. Yeah, that is perfect. You know, we have a little less than two minutes to go in our time together. And wow, has this has gone fast. Has gone. We've got a lot of great material that we've covered. So, David, to kind of wrap up our conversation, I wish we could go for a, a, a while longer, but we're going to have to uh, cut our time short. So you can find David at davidhutchins.com and uh, you can uh, connect with him there and you can learn more about his work. And uh, great, David, anything you want to say to conclude and how people can reach you? Um, Well, I don't know if you all heard, but my my phone came unplugged. So I've I've missed the past 60 seconds. It sounds like it was seamless, so maybe nobody noticed. Um, (laughs) But... uh, uh, whatever you were saying to conclude is probably right. Please come check out my work at davidhutchins.com, and please check out Karen Dietz's work 
as well. Uh, thank you, David. Uh, so uh, we're going to wrap up and uh, check out Story Powered's uh, interview next week for a great show full of valuable tips and tools and insights to help you in your business storytelling. And also uh, join me this Thursday when Leanne and I take uh, your uh, Q&As about business storytelling at the storypowered.institute uh, program. So join us there. And thank you so much for uh, uh, being such great listeners today. And thank you, David, again, for a wonderful interview. Uh, so I look forward to talking with you all soon again. Bye-bye for now. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week for Story Powered. Leanne Pico invites you to tune in for another engaging program next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll help take your story and your business to the next level. We'll be right back.